Anyways, guys. welcome to the podcast. This is Abel, Abel and Jacob. Figure it out. This is episode two of season two, but on the podcast app, you will see episode twelve. Yes, I can't really separate that. I don't think. You, I'm pretty sure I could go to each individual title of the first ten episodes and say season one episode, and then like on this one, but that just seems like a lot of work. Wouldn't even say though once it's just like playing on your phone. It would still say... It would just be like a really long title. Oh, I see what you're saying. So you know what I mean? I see what you're saying. But for all intents and purposes, this is season two, episode two. two not episode 12. Yes. But kind of, technically episode 12. You guys get it. We're bringing back the drink of the week. Drink, uh-huh. drink of the wink. Um, what are we drinking, Jacob? Uh, today, we are drinking a pour of Basil Hayden's. Um, it's a Kentucky oh. Burby. <laughs> Kentucky Bourbon. Kentucky Burby. <laughs> <laughs> Kentucky Burby. Let's uh, cheers! Cheers to episode two. Cheers! And and cheers to that incredible new theme song. Thank you so much to Criminy for helping us out with that narration. Thanks, Criminy Jacket. Basil Hayden's. Oh, you you don't look pleased. Tastes like tastes like basil. You're not too much of a of a whiskey man, would you say? No, I like water, and I like lactose free milk. (laughs) But you like beer. Yeah, I like. What's your go to alcoholic beverage? When, go to when you're above beverage. 21. <laughs> when you're above 21 and you drink responsibly and in moderation. Yeah. It's, um, is it too low? Yeah, like you want it like the middle of that to be where your mouth is. If you're like, ah! That's a um, big, that's a big mark on the recording. Ah! Okay. <laughs> They're like, it's like little lines and then this. And then you, people are going to hear it. And they're going to say, Abel's screaming in my ear right now. Yeah. Um, I do, I do like beer. I really like when I was, uh, I went to Germany. Here we go. And <laughs> here we go. And, you know, I was there in Germany and I, uh, had a sip of the German beer and I said, well, this is really good. And I said to myself, hmm, tastes yummy. <laughs> and, uh, the rest is history. So, yeah, but you know. Hefeweizen. Hefeweizen, you know, a German wheat beer. We love it. That's great. And uh, I got nothing else to say on the subject. Other than that, um, why do you like bourbon? Well, I don't know. Um, actually, I, I mean, primarily I would just say I like the taste of it. Sure. Um, but my dad wanted to start me off right as a, a drinker. Okay. Um, in the way, I'll rephrase that. Okay. My dad wanted me to enjoy quality liquor okay from starting off as i was 21 so yes. he was like i want you to try some bourbon i want you to try these whiskeys i have and um i think there's just sort of a um 
I used to think it was just like a a reference to quality, but they'll say like top shelf. It's just because it's on the highest shelf at the liquor store. Yeah. I used to think that was like, oh, this is like your top shelf bourbon. Which is that I thought, not it? It is. But I always thought that it was mainly a reference. Oh, yeah, but it's actually on the top It's shelf. literally like because it's there. Yeah. So if it's like a bottom shelf, it's you can't say that like Jack Daniels is a top shelf because Jack Daniels is just not. Because it's not. So he started me on Blanton's. He started me on Basil Hayden's. He started me on um, Knob Creek. These are all kind of mid to top shelf bourbons. Mid. Um, you know, like some of these are like 70 bucks. Some of these are like $35. But this type of, you know, 15 to $25 range is your bottom shelf, in my opinion. Okay. Um, and so he started me off with good bourbon and, uh, it's ruined me because as I'm 24 now, yeah. I'll crave a little bit of bourbon at the end of the day or something little, like that. But sippy. I, I can't get myself to buy a bottom shelf affordable bourbon. I'll just get some expensive burby. You have... Uh, a refined palate. Yeah. Expensive I... taste of y'all. Champagne problems. Bourbon <laughs> problems in this situation. Ooh, that's Ooh, a song title right there. It, it'd be kind of a good country song, right? You know, bourbon problems. Oh, I'm, I'm already thinking of the lyrics. Here they come. Oh, I got bourbon problems because I live on a tractor, but it's a two-story tractor. It goes. Take it away. I drink some bourbon for the weekend, okay. and it makes me feel so drunk. Whoa. That's the problem. You can't that's drink all problem. weekend. You can't See, drink all weekend because it's there. bad for you. Yeah. Anyways, Anyways. enough <laughs> bourbon problems. What are we talking about? <laughs> well, I thought we could go through a few things. Um and if you had any thoughts as well, I'm open okay. to co- talk about it. But I recently watched Don't Worry, Darling. Ooh. I also, Abel and I have both listened to Joe's new album, Decide. Yes. And Joe, for those of you who don't know, it's it's spelled D-J-O. And it is the actor and musician, That's correct. Joe Keery, yeah. who is Steve Harrington on Stranger Things. Um, and Abel and I would first, you first showed me Roddy, this like single. Roddy! Roddy! Yeah. And it was very good and then i just kind of slightly followed his music but this new album is something that abel and i both have a lot of thoughts on so Mm -hmm. this is kind of a review episode in a way because i want to talk about that album i want to talk about um and and the movie don't worry darling because i have a lot of thoughts on it yes um but i also wanted to as of course see what you may have um thought of to talk about as well you know i think that's a great idea Mm. because uh i did not see don't worry darling because I thought to myself, I'm fearful. And my wife Paisley said, I'm also fearful. And then we said, let's not watch the movie. And so we didn't. Can I pick your brain on that? Sure. Not to cut you off from your thoughts, but that is something that I have thought, I've wondered about. Okay. But unless there was more that you wanted to, you know, I don't want to cut you off. Well, that's pretty much it, yeah. Um, what are you, because for me, I have a certain genre or category of movies that are too scary for me to see. Yeah. Um, what about a thriller is too scary in your opinion? Well, Because think... there are a couple scenes that spooked me. Yeah. But I was curious why that was immediately like, oh, that's, I don't, I don't want to see that. When it's not listed as like a scary movie. Yeah. I think, you know, I was thinking about this recently and just, you know. With the films I'm seeing, I just was kind of like, I, I guess I wasn't in the mood for it. You know what I mean? I have to be in a very specific mood for a thriller. Right. Because there's some thrillers that I like. Mm. and uh, But then, you know, there's some movies that I see where I'm like, well, it wasn't necessarily horrifying. Right. You know, it wasn't like a horror movie, but I just kind of feel like, oof, I feel kind of like, you know. It's kind of like uh, after I saw, what's that movie, Jake Gyllenhaal, Prisoners? Yeah. 
you know, great I'd say that's movie. more thriller than yeah, horror. Yeah, it's a thriller. But uh, after I was finished watching, I was like, man, I just feel heavy. You know what I mean? Sure. And I was just kind of yeah. like, ah, eh, you know. You have to prepare yourself for like an undertaking yourself, of, you know? of emotional roller coaster. And also, I had to be in bed early for school. Big boy on campus here. Big boy on campus. Anywho, um, but uh, tell me your thoughts on this movie. Give me the rundown. Yeah. Let us know. I want to kind of gauge, you know, for listeners, it's up to their discretion if they don't want to hear anything. How do you feel about how much I should reveal about this movie? Do you not plan on watching it or do you plan on waiting until you are in a place to watch a thriller? Oh, I don't, I'm not, I don't ever really feel like I want to watch it. Okay. Well, okay. then I would like to... So you to, can go for it. Yeah. I'm going to kind of give... This is a official spoiler alert that if you have not seen Don't Worry Darling... Directed by Olivia Wilde, yep. starring Florence Pugh, Nick Kroll, Olivia Wilde, Harry Styles. Uh, don't listen to this episode until you, you know, watch the movie. Yeah. Don't Worry Darling uh, was given a lot of praise on its cinematography, but a lot of um, hate on its kind of story in a way. But I was actually really, um, I really enjoyed it. I agreed that it could have some better explanation and better plot. But I actually thought it was a really good movie. Mm-hmm. Harry Styles was actually, in my opinion, very impressive as a new actor to do so well at such a intense film. Um, but the whole idea of the film, film is that they're in this utopian kind of 50s or 60s looking um, society with the women that all stay at home mm-hmm. and all their men drive off in their like old retro cars and they drive into the desert. And the women have to clean and cook their meal. And when the husbands come home, they, you know, have their perfect nine to five. Nothing, the weather's the same all the time. Yeah. They have their cocktails at the pool and they all hang out as a big group on like the weekends and do parties and stuff. And so in this film, Harry is playing Jack Chambers and he's married to Alice Chambers, who's played by Florence Pugh. Mm-hmm. And um, it just goes through a couple days of the life where, you know, they wake up and they, they're newlyweds. So they're very, you know, hot for each other. Lots of intimacy. It's, it's a bit graphic. They don't actually have any sex scenes, though. But it is just lots of insinuations and kind of, um, I guess, intense, passionate scenes, if you will. Sure. And, um, and you start to see that there's this one member of the group named Margaret who starts saying, hey, guys, we're trapped in here, blah, blah, blah. She, like, vanishes, comes back almost brainwashed like she has no memory of it. And Florence Pugh is starting to have these random images pop in her head in sleep, in in her sleep. And um, she starts to kind of process it, and there's a couple situations where the women are not allowed to leave the city Mm -hmm. and go into the desert. They say it's too dangerous, and they say that the men are working on progressive machinery but they won't they're not allowed to disclose it with their wives and so yeah. you'll see florence ask carrie like hey like what are you guys doing out there actually and he's like i can't tell you but yet they have such an intimate relationship so that she seems to respect it most of the time yeah so to put in a nutshell because the movie's plot is not great um chris pine is the head of this group mm-hmm. and he's the most like in control and the whole movie florence Pugh has a song stuck in her head and she can't figure out what it's from she keeps having these images in her head of these ballerinas dancing. And mm-hmm. sometimes in the visions, they look like scary and they like get up in the camera. And that's usually the spookiest part of the movie. Yeah. And they just have really cool music, like background sounds and stuff to just add like the scary feeling. Mm-hmm. But um, she eventually escapes, tries to figure out what's going on and finally gets these memories and realizes that the, <laughs> the whole area is a simulation 
she finally gets a memory back of her real life and she is living with harry styles but he's american mm-hmm. and he fakes a really he does a really poor american accent sadly love that um but he is like a total bum like he's he's a lazy husband he's not getting a job mm-hmm. um he's not looking for a job she works like 20 hour days at a at a hospital mm-hmm. and they have like this cheap apartment and they don't have hot water and he's got like scruffy facial hair and messed up hair and um he feels like he can never get his wife to acknowledge him because she's just so focused on work mm-hmm. And that song in her head is a song that they would sing together all the time in the real world. And Mm -hmm. that's why it's starting to pop into her head because she's not quite synced into this simulation as much as she should be. Yeah. So Harry Styles, eventually he has like long greasy hair and like Mm -hmm. in like a wife beater tank top. And he starts listening about this project called the Victory Project. Mm -hmm. And what is not like clarified is how it starts... um, why it has to be secret but it's basically it's not like a sell your soul thing Mm -hmm. but there's some type of involvement with advanced technology that puts you into a simulation okay and you can harry selected that he would be british that he would look this way he'd have this hairstyle he'd have this um appearance and he forced his wife he he beat her up and knocked her out dragged her into bed and tied her to the bed and put her into the simulation while she was unconscious. Mm-hmm. She is stuck in the simulation and cannot be taken out of it. Yeah. The men going to work actually go to a location that lets them log off and wake up in the real world. Mm-hmm. So Harry's just waking up every single day for eight hours, going to a real job. Yeah. And then coming back home and logging back on this whole time. Mm-hmm. And typically, each man in this simulation is the one initiating it. And each man is implied to be trapping their wives into this simulation. Okay. And so, she would never want to settle down with Harry. She doesn't want to, like, work less or, like, move away or change her job for him. Mm-hmm. So, he kind of meant well in his heart but kind of became crazy, like, traps her into this. Yeah. And finally, she gets enough of this memory back that she calls Harry out in the simulation. And he finally was like, acknowledges that it, she's right. So she thinks he's fake, but he's like, no, I'm real. This is just a simulation, but this is actually me telling you this. Yeah. And um, so she hits him over the head with a glass and he dies. And someone, Olivia Wilde's character comes in. She's actually in on it too. She's mm-hmm. like a rare woman that wants to be in the simulation. Yeah. And said, if you kill someone in this simulation, they're dead in real life. If you die in the game, you die in real Which life. Which doesn't make sense. No. And so she's like, oh, he's dead, like for real. But she's not sure if that's actually true. Mm-hmm. So she escapes everybody and logs off. Yeah. And it ends with you hear her gasping for breath as if she just woke up. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, she's already strapped to her bed. Yeah. And if Harry is dead in real life, too, she's stuck in a trapped bed. Yeah. And um, if he's that's... alive, she's still just trapped in the bed. Exactly. He can just put her back in it. Yeah. So it's like, that's not clear. It's not clear why she's not allowed to know. Yeah. Unless they all just really want to force their wives that badly. But they make it seem like, oh, if, if you log out, we're all going to die. Yeah. And, and then Olivia Wilde said, oh, if, if you try to escape, they'll kill you and they'll kill your real body too. They'll find your body and kill you. So it might be like highly advanced illegal technology. Okay. And it's like if it's discovered, they're all going to go to prison. I don't, but that's what they don't clarify. 
So if it's a two-hour movie, an hour and 45 minutes are just her playing through figuring out what's going on. Yeah. And the last 15 minutes is seeing these flashbacks of Harry and, and Florence in the real world. Mm. And then she finally runs away. She puts her hands on this panel that logs her off. She goes like this, and you hear, <gasps> and the movie's over. <laughs> Boo! So that's Don't Worry, Darling. Okay. I actually had a lot of fun watching it because it looks gorgeous. Yeah. And Harry really killed it, in my opinion, giving him, like, it's really like his third film ever. Just like when he was in Dunkirk. Yeah, like, did you enjoy him in it? I mean, he was in it for like two seconds. Oh, really? I never watched it. That's okay. I mean, you know, I, I think I saw him and I was just like, oh, that's Harry Styles. <laughs> and then I was like, um, then he was gone. Okay. Maybe got blown up. I don't remember how Dunkirk ends. <laughs> oh, that's fine. But yeah, but, you know, a lot of bombs. It was safe to say then that Harry hasn't done a lot of films. And so with that being said, he did a great job. Florence Pugh is a great actress. So it was fun and it looked really fun to watch. Like it was fun to look at. But when it's over, I mean, there's so many plot holes that it's just like, oh, they could have really cleaned that up a little better if they like shaped 30 minutes off of the utopian society and added that 30 minutes to the real world and yeah. maybe like got to wake up and move around and fig- find the real guy yeah that could have been cool yeah but they didn't hmm yeah it would have been cool this is me yeah not seeing the movie totally but it been cool if like yeah in those last 30 minutes she like somehow got out of the town mm-hmm. and like logged out and was like strapped to the bed and she like figured a way to like get out of the bed mm-hmm. and like harry comes home from the job that he has or something and she mm-hmm. like attacks or i don't know something like that something that would add like a you you made it out okay yeah because you just yeah like the real world implications like maybe people are chasing her down or something like that i don't know helicopters is the real world also set in the 50s no the real world is 20 our current day day and age they're in they're in kind of a um a darker dangerous part of the city Mm. but he's on a computer with his headphones listening to victory project podcasts or like conspiracy theories you Just hear like this podcast <laughs> yeah i mean these are like if you want to help build a new world it's all about building a better place and yeah. you find it finally makes sense that it's this simulation yeah i don't know if it's like a jab to the metaverse but it made me think of that because you're supposed to log into this world where everything's better yeah and it's you know clear that it's not yeah but um i still was glad that i watched it it was fun nice but yeah i had rated a Six out of ten. Six out of ten. Yeah. Worth your time. Worth your time. Worth your time. You're not going to love it, but I think you can enjoy yourself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Six out of ten. Six out of ten, baby. Don't worry, darling. And um, uh, next up. Next up is I went with Dean and Caitlin and Timory, and Dean got me a left-handed pen. Whoa. From his work. Left-handed. That has such a fast drying ink that you won't smudge your hand as you keep writing. Whoa. What so. makes it left-handed? Um, it's necessarily not necessarily the pen itself, but the ink. Oh. So a right-handed... Because right-handed, yeah. yeah, you're like writing left to right. Right, so you won't smudge your hand on the ink, I but see. left-handed people such as myself always, or if they write sloppily, yeah. will smudge their hands into the fresh ink they just wrote on the piece of paper. Oh. This is such a fast-drying ink that apparently, as a left-handed person, you can... Not smudge. No smudge. So let's see. Let's see. My name. I don't see a smudge. I don't see a smudge. I don't see a smudge at all. Is? No ink on his hand or anything. Jacob. Exclamation point. Wow. Thank you, Dean. Thanks, Dean. We love Dean. He was on the podcast of season one. And uh, maybe he'll make a comeback for season 
Six. <laughs> One day, Dean. It's going to take Dean. a long time to get back here. Yeah. Let's just say last Count your night. blessings. Count your blessings. Yeah. And count your days. Yeah. yeah. But. Count your hours. Um, that's the movie. And um, yeah, I think that was pretty much that for, for, for that part of it. But um, how was your week? What would you like to discuss? Do you have any questions? Well, my week was good. We're on Wednesday right now. And so, mm. you know, a couple days into the week. I've, I was thinking about this a couple weeks ago. And I was like, oh. I don't know if you feel this way, but for me, I always imagine that the week starts on Monday. Yeah. But then I started imagining the week starts on Sunday. And I'm like, is this a revolutionary way to think about how the week starts? No. But <laughs> I'm like, please um, elaborate. I, you know, I was just kind of thinking about it because I was like, well, on Sundays, you know, I go to church and uh, I recently joined uh, a rooted group through uh, our church anthem, Coeur d'Alene. And, uh, you know, so it's kind of a day you know, filled with rest. That's kind of, you know, kind of going to, to the idea of Sabbath mm-hmm. and uh, kind of imagining that Sunday is this, this, this day, this beginning of the week where I rest and recharge. And then Monday is kind of like the second day of the week where I get back into things. Hmm. And um, I know that seems really no. minor and, but I was kind of like, I kind of like the idea of like, sort of like, you know, what I've realized is I've gotten a little bit older Mm. And, uh, you know, this podcast is all about getting older, figuring it Absolutely. out. Absolutely. You know, young adults are doing young Perfect. adult stuff. Perfect yeah. way to include the title. Absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, Abel and Jacob figure figuring it out. It out. Yep. And one of the things I've been figuring out is that a lot of um, life, spirituality, work, uh, leisure, or any kind of hobbies, it all comes down to, to mindset. Yeah. And I think mindset is very, very important. And I was like, oh, this is a very small mindset shift where I think of the days of the week starting off on like a day of rest. Mm. And then as opposed to the week ending on rest, um, which I think, you know, there there are benefits to looking at the week both ways. You know, mm-hmm. obviously from the, the, the Genesis narrative, we know that God rested on the final day of the week. Mm. Um, but I like that idea of starting off resting and then going, okay, now here we go. Yeah. And then same with, you know, lately I've been continuing to train and to power lift uh, to my heart's desire, but I've been feeling a lot of different kind of pains and aches, you know what I mean? Mm. Just kind of like, ooh, you know, a little ache in my back or a little ache in my hamstrings or something like that. Right. And uh, I'm kind of trying to shift my mindset because I was getting sort of frustrated a while ago because I was hoping to hit these new numbers, uh, you know, set a PR, Mm -hmm. if you will. And, uh, but you know, my body just, it wasn't happening. I, I was kind of a little bit injured. You know what I mean? Had some kind of some, some strains in yeah. some, some of my muscles and I was getting sort of frustrated cause I was like, oh man, I really felt like I was going to be able to, uh, you know, get this new PR, but, um, I'm shifting my mindset. I was like, well, it's not necessarily important always to be constantly progressing and hitting PRs, but I think the actual progress mindset shift is just that you're training in general and that you're taking your your time and listening right. to your body and allowing yourself to rest and recover and taking the necessary steps to recover. Cause recovery also is not just, you know, waiting for something to happen, but right. you have to take active steps in recovery. So I've been trying to stretch a lot more, right. make sure that I'm sleeping, getting good sleep each night. Um, especially for my, my current job right now, I have to get up early for my work. And so I need to make sure that like, you know, I'm not staying up super late and then getting up really early and being like, Ooh, I just feel tired all the time. Right. And so that's something I've been thinking about with you know mm. just the start of the week but anyways back to my week yeah um but but thanks for sharing that i, th- I think that's really great yeah you know i just mindset 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 what a great word <laughs> the week was good i give it an eight out of ten so far <laughs> 
Wow. Yeah. Eight out of ten oh, by Wednesday. By Wednesday. I know we're going to talk about Joan a little bit. Yeah. But another thing that happened this week was a year ago, Olivia Rodrigo. Oh, my gosh. Superstar. Oh. World world famous. You know what I mean? She released her album Sour, and everybody went, well, that's so good. She released Driver's License. People were like, well, that's so good. TikTok, loved it. I'm not on TikTok, but that's what I hear. Sure. And I was always like, not for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, Paisley really liked it, and she listened to it a lot. And I was like, well, you know, I, uh, I get it, but I also don't want to listen to it. And then I recently started watching High School Musical, the musical, the series. <laughs> and I said to myself, this show is ridiculous, but very charming and funny and yeah. uh, very lighthearted. Sure. Um, back to like the, you know, my decision to not watch Don't Worry Darling. I was just like, oh, I just want to watch something lighthearted right now. Right. So watching this, I'm like, it's very easy to watch. Sure. Stakes are incredibly low. Mm-hmm. Everybody's more or less likable. And if somebody's <laughs> unlikable, they're like the most like... 2d version of a character where they're just like a just a pure villain and you're like <laughs> would never root for them in a million years right but um she's in the show first two seasons i think and then i was like well i really like this show and i don't know if you ever feel this way but sometimes you'll like get exposed to a new show or a new book or a new album or something and it'll like kind of like make you appreciate something else they didn't appreciate previously sure and so watching the show i was like well you know i'll give i'll give sour by Olivia Rodrigo, a second spin. Mm. And I've just been listening to it all week. And uh, it's good. What did I give it last time we talked? Like a seven out of 10? Yeah, seven or... Yeah, you know, I think 7. it's... 7.5 maybe? Yeah, it's, it's definitely like written for maybe a younger audience, but not also, also not necessarily. I think like she's got some pretty good songwriting there. She's very crafty. And yeah. she comes up with some very interesting melodies. And, you know, she's definitely got a very... She's a very talented vocalist and singer. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I like it. And that kind of has been sort of the soundtrack of the week. I think some artists can can um, be brought down by really relatable lyrics sure. as to be like linked to childish or like yeah. for a younger audience. But I think um, artists like Lainey or artists like... I don't know, younger artists, Billie Eilish. Yeah. It can be like, oh, this is like, you know, she's a teenager or she's a young adult. Yeah. But or I even think... like Lord, like when, oh, I, totally. when I was like 15, Lord released her first album. She was like 17 or something like that. Right. And you can be like, oh, she's a young girl or they're a young guy and whatever. And it's just for the younger audience. But I think there's some truth to what you said of just like, well, if it's relatable and I, even if it's easy to understand, that doesn't mean that it's youthful or that it's trivial. Yeah. It's just easier to understand. Yeah. And I think... We may or may not have already talked about this on a, a previous episode, but uh-huh. I think we were talking about songwriting a while ago. Mm-hmm. And um, I think we were both just, you know, kind of expressing like, oh, you know, as we, you know, Jacob, of course, is a musician and I'm a musician. And as we take time to kind of develop and get better in terms of our music and our songwriting, uh, one of the things that we both kind of collectively learned on our own is just that, you know, oftentimes honesty and not necessarily accessibility, but the ability to make something that's kind of a universal experience put it into music mm-hmm. um can be some of the most beautiful and profound music um as opposed to something that's really i mean you know i got appreciation for both but sometimes music that's really complex really specific mm-hmm. um can be more alienating right and maybe that can be something that bogs it down than music that is just kind of plain and purely sung if you will sure but i don't know i i agree with that i think that's um pretty valid to bring up um two tablespoons of water um two tablespoons of water. 
I wrote I wrote Abe a little note there. Um, a little note. <clears throat> I'm gonna write Jacob a note right now. Sometimes we'll pass notes back left, and forth. Left-handed, please. Um, I'm gonna write left-handed. No, I totally agree. I think um, you can see artists. Um, maybe this is just my opinion. I don't know if this is necessarily accurate, but I think some artists try to be cryptic and try to be difficult to understand simply just to be given that level of um, reputation. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that um, that gives them the right to be necessarily immediately listed as a like mature writer. Yeah. You can be, you can just overuse your words and try to be really cryptic and use big words to, to kind of mask something just to be looked at as more serious or really deep or philosophical. But I think there's some wisdom in being an artist that simplifies. Yeah. Um, if you just want people to understand it better or if you want something to be taken really bluntly. Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> but I, I watched this interview. It was the last Kurt Cobain interview mm-hmm. before he uh, ended his life. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Um, but he basically, there's a song of his called Rape Me. And um, he was talking about how that song is just literally written to be as blunt as possible to basically talk about the issue of women who've been assaulted or raped. Yeah. And that um, the media tried to make it into something that it wasn't. Mm -hmm. And they implied like, oh, like, is this about how people abuse your music or put you into a box or, you know, ridicule your writing? And Mm -hmm. he's like, no, it's literally just saying this line over and over because it's like talking about this heavy issue of like women being trafficked or raped or assaulted yeah and so you can try to be as simple as you want but you can still be taken as um it can be taken out of context or people can use their own opinion to like mm-hmm. change the meaning um but i don't think nirvana was ever taken as childish but they were taken as more careless and free-willed and yeah you know but because of their age and their musical style they if they chose to be pop music they could have been treated as very youthful and very trivial in my opinion yeah because they just kind of wrote heavy rock songs and mm. it was in the 90s so was like punk grunge but um yeah i don't know i think i think yeah it's all about how you present yourself and how much you're willing to talk about your music yeah. and share what you mean by it because i remember when i first heard of laney i thought they were kind of silly mm. until i saw an interview where he said i'm intentionally trying to be as easily understandable as possible i want anybody and everybody to relate to this yeah. And it's actually more about like the music and if you can take this line and it reminds you of this season of your life or that season of your life mm-hmm. and millions of others can apply the exact same thing to their own personal experiences. Yeah. Then you have millions of people that are connecting with you and that's what we want people to do. Yeah. But he wasn't trying to say like, oh, if I could, I could write anything I wanted. But he's like, I'm trying to create a type of style yeah. and vision for this for this band's music. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. But. Yeah, songwriting is for me. I find songwriting to be very difficult in the lyrical state, mm-hmm. or lyrical. Um, in terms of the lyrics. In terms of lyrics, yeah. I find it difficult to write songs. Yeah. Quite literally, because I couldn't find the words. Well, you know. <laughs> but musically, I think that I'm better at it. Yeah. And I think people like uh, Abel, who's a real son of a jerk. Uh, are good at both. I think you write really cool um, progressions. And I don't know if you feel this way. Okay. And I don't, I hope this doesn't sound like a, um, 
like a backhanded compliment. Okay, I have my hands balled up into fists. Sorry. Okay, good. But I think you're initially you, you able is the kind of person that started off. If I can be so bold. You can be so bold. Um, that started off not knowing much about the music he was playing. Yes. He knew some patterns uh, to where his fingers would go on the keys. Yeah. And then he would just make sound. Yeah. And he'd be like, this sounds cool, but I actually don't even know where I'm at in terms of what key I'm in, what notes I'm playing. Yeah. And I found that to be a huge strength because that kind of reminds me of how the Beatles said, we didn't actually know anything we were doing. Yeah. We knew that if I put in terms of this pattern, I could go and put this finger here and that finger there mm-hmm. and it would make this sound like when they were kids, that's what they did. Yeah. And those songs were, are still some of their most well-known songs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you um, have recently in terms of the last year or two mm-hmm. started to really invest in um, not necessarily just theory, but a little bit of theory and a little bit of just learning the, tr- the true like lessons in playing piano mm-hmm. And finding the notes, finding how you can um, change the notes into different formats of major sevenths and minors and diminished chords and all that kind of stuff. And you've started to really um, expound and grow in in your musical um, playing. But I think, um, do you think that the way that, did you appreciate the the unknown Mm -hmm. of music? And did that help you kind of feel more creative? Or did it always feel like a crutch for you and you were always wishing to grow? Or did you almost like that you didn't know too much? And was that kind of fun for you to just truly experiment almost like a child, like innocently explore what yeah. sounds felt right to you? Yeah, I think um, for me, and I know there are plenty of different opinions on this. Um, like, I think it's one of those things where looking at other people like, there's a band called Suicide, mm-hmm. and they're kind of like, um, I don't know how you'd describe them. They're from, I think, the 80s, like 70s and 80s, and they're kind of like glitzy, dream pop, new wave, mumbo jumbo. I don't really know how to describe them. I'm sure there's probably a good modifier for them sure. out there. They're sort of punk in kind of like their aesthetic, mm-hmm. but um, they were kind of founded on that same principle of like they were kind of, you know, and their music sort of sounds kind of crazy, and like it's very almost like simple but in a very like i think pleasant way and in a way yeah. that's very appreciative and the vocalist has this kind of like crazy almost like sort of elvis style bravado hmm. to him but um that's one of those musicians where i look at them and i'm like oh i really like the fact that they're making music that's extremely unique because of the uh uh the like limitations yeah kind of like their limitations i mean they, they start off and they were not very financially well off and so mm. the amount of access they had to different musical instruments was very limited mm-hmm. and so they had like this really like kind of like proto synthesizer and like just vocals and it was really kind of weird and crazy and i really like that idea but i think for me personally and i i kind of felt this way ever since i started making music was yeah like jacob said i kind of started off just knowing like oh if i play on the white keys and i skip a key every single time i play a note then that sounds really pretty i didn't know that i was just basically playing like seventh chords in the key of c you know what <laughs> right I mean? But in my mind, I was like, that sounds really pretty. And I can just move my hand up every time I want it to make a different sound. You know what I mean? So right. I'm changing chords. Um, and uh, that, I think, was um, like helpful at first because it got me interested in making music. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it became kind of limiting later on because I was like, well, I want to make I want to kind of emulate music that I'm listening to. And I want to kind of like take lessons and learn like how they're playing stuff. And that's something that's still like is a really huge limitation for me. Like I'm not very, um, I'm not a very skilled uh, musician. 
you know what I mean? Like instrumentally I'm pretty limited and I can't really like, I think the ability to mimic and the ability to recreate what you're hearing is very powerful. Yeah. It can be used, it can be used as a very powerful tool. And I kind of lack that skill, unfortunately. Mm. Like I find it extremely difficult to, to like cover music mm. and just, you know, just play a song that I like. You've really never played me a cover before. No, I don't. Cause it's like, wow. I never thought of that. Yeah. I, I'm not saying that to beat up no, on you. No, but I, yeah. You really never have learned oh, anything. Look at that, huh? you? you don't know anything. Yeah. No. Um, but, <laughs> and that's something where I, you know, I'd like to get better at that, but it's, you know, it's just kind of like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's tricky for me. What, what about if I may ask, I, I hope this doesn't sound like uh, defeating, no. but what about that is hard for you uh, now that you know more chords and yeah, the structure, yeah, how, what, I mean, what holds like, you back? You know, I can, I can look up like a song and I can be like, oh, okay. And one thing I've also learned is that a lot of songs are very simple mm-hmm. that I like. Um, most of them are like literally four chords. And right. Like, well, this is the easiest thing in the entire universe. Yeah. Um, like I really like the song August by Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. And I looked it up one time cause I was like, oh, I should learn. I should like play this on piano. And it's literally four chords the entire song um but it's really cool because that song has a lot of movement to it it doesn't feel like it's just four chords um and or even something like um uses gospel by kanye west yeah it's just kind of like it's the same repeating thing over and over but he just uses it in like different ways it is four chords yeah 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 and so oh no three chords back to the first one so yeah it's three chords yeah wow um Thank you for listening to that, everybody. That Thank was our cover of Jesus Gospel Thank by you Kanye. So much. Yeah, off, yeah. off of the Jesus is King Jesus album. Jesus is King album. Uh, and Jesus is King, period. Period. Think about that for a second. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, studying a little bit of theory, like a very small amount of theory. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, yeah. My, I don't know how to write left He did write now. something to me left handed. It just looks like <laughs> it looks like, like a chicken scratch. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Sorry. Continue. Kinda, there's something kind of like interesting about it. Yeah, I think it kind of fits the style of yeah. of font. Um, Continue. But I think, you know, yeah, in the past, like, year or so, I got a little bit more interested um, from Jacob's encouragement and then from You're talking welcome. with my wife, Paisley, uh, about, you know, like, theory and about just kind of learning, like, like oh, you know, if you're going to work on music, especially if you're going to work on music collaborati- collaboratively, mm-hmm. it's really important to, like, know what you're playing so you can explain it to other people. Um, Cause if you just like, well, I'm just doing this and this and this, they're going to be like, okay, well now I have to like come over and look at your hands and like figure out what you're playing. Or right. if you're like trying to describe a mood to them, then it's even weirder. You're sure. Like, oh, I want the song to sound like this. And they're like, well, I don't really know what that means. Um, but I think, so that's been helpful just from like a practical sense. And then I don't know. I think like, I think it's, yeah, I think it's mostly just like helped me in a, in kind of a practical way. Mm-hmm. I think there's been a little bit of help where I'm focusing on, um, like focusing on like some, like kind of like unorthodox ideas, I guess, in terms of like what we might come up with traditionally with like chord progressions. Um, oh my word. <laughs> um, and I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anything about music. I mean, honestly, I feel like I don't know anything about music because, and I apologize if I distracted you, but I think it's funny. (laughs) Oh, I thought you, I thought, I thought you did this because I read it upside down. I I know. I was like, wow, I cannot believe that. Um, 
Yeah. But I think we're all, like when you said like mimicking is something that you feel like you can't do. Um, Not to say that like. In terms of like memorizing something. so unique that I can't mimic anything. No. But just like, yeah, in terms of literally just the most basic like playing a. You don't think that's your strong suit. No. But I think in all reality, that's all we always do. Yeah. Because I remember I was, when I was um, on The Voice, there was a vocal lesson that I had and. I said, I'm just trying to mimic this cover of this song, and that's kind of where I want to get the inspiration behind my audition song was from a cover that James Bay did yeah. of the Taylor Swift song, Delicate. Mm-hmm. I said, here's the video. I kind of want to mimic this style. And she goes, get the word mimic out of your vocabulary because you're unique and you have your own originality. No matter what you do, even if you follow it to every chord, it will be different. Mm-hmm. And at first I was like, wow, thank you. But now I'm just kind of like, no. Yeah. Like we we mimic everything. Like yeah, we, we draw inspiration from all of it. Everything is drawn from something else, and it's all connected, which is beautiful. Yeah. So mimicking is in our nature, and trying to replicate or reflect an image that some of something we respect. Yeah. Is how we live our lives. Yeah. So I think there's nothing wrong with, um, you know, thinking that you should mimic more, or mimic less. Like anything you can draw inspiration from. Mm-hmm. Like Drew Brereton, he's he's in our band, Britney's house, and. Um, I guess not Able Nice Band, but I don't want to call it my band. Yeah. Um, he's an incredible guitar player. He's he's like a prodigy in my opinion, mm-hmm. and he will say, "Oh, I I learned how to play this style of this solo because I watched this guy play it, Zola, and I mm-hmm. used to come every week and listen to him play and and just try to play how he played, and then I would look up live videos of this musician and I try to play like him, and then mm-hmm. once you refine that, you have your own unique style that still comes from the same." Um, imitation yeah and i think that's really cool yeah but um we're gonna take a short break and come right back to the show break time hey guys hey guys we're back it's been two weeks (laughs) (laughs) we took um a short pause to um i don't remember yeah we were just just chatting no what happened is we just got into talking yeah and then we were just like oh this isn't like podcast topics we were just like catching up and then we're like, let's just resume this like tomorrow or the next day. Yeah. And that was two weeks ago. Yeah. So, so we're, we're back. We're back. You don't, you doesn't feel like it. You guys didn't pause for yeah. two weeks. Yeah. For you guys, you're like, oh my goodness. This is just like, uh, just sounds like they, uh, you know, they're just there. Yeah. I think this is just sort but of we our weren't. part two. We'll treat it. But Absolutely. we were going to discuss, um, sorry, I'm eating pumpkin seeds fresh out of the oven. <laughs> fresh out of the oven. Uh, we're going to discuss the artist known as joe yes djo actor musician philanthropist question mark who knows but he (laughs) makes music (laughs) um joe keary from stranger things yeah he plays steve harrington he's got the big hair he has released music for a while now right yeah like a couple years i think and he was in that band post animal Oh, Why, right. Before he was on Stranger Things. And that was, I feel like that was a while ago because obviously that was like the first season of Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Um, so so he's been a musician before he was an actor. Or maybe not, actually. I don't know his acting career. I'm pretty sure but he before was. Before he was a major actor. Yeah. He was definitely a musician. Yeah. Uh, and he's back with a full length album. I think it's his second album under Joe. Under Joe. DJO. Which is so great. Yeah. So sick. Because like, you read it and you're like, huh? But if yeah. you say it, Joe, that's how his name is pronounced. Exactly. You look at it and you go, Whoa, what does this mean? It's his name because his name is Joe Keery. This is exact. This is almost literally what happened yeah. in my life personally. It's what Abel's describing. Yeah. It's like a play-by-play. It's like, like a play-by-play. You see him on Apple Music, Spotify, or somewhere else. I don't know. Wherever you're streaming YouTube, music. Pandora. YouTube. Pandora. 
and you go, well, I don't understand what this name is. Could it what be is Joe? that? De Joe? Jo <gasps> Joe. Joe. What famous actors do I know that have the name Joe? Uh, Joe Jonas. Joe Curie? Joe Biden. <laughs> Joe Biden. Joe Biden is releasing music. <laughs> a musical. <laughs> Joe Biden is releasing his first ever musical. Man, I would love to see that musical. I think it'd be great. I think That's he would just kind of amazing. be slithering around stage having a good time. Also, I um, when we were on that two-week break, Dean texted. Dean! Because he listened to our return episode. I love that. And he said the producer tag from the Kendrick Lamar song that we could not figure out mm -hmm. was Kung Fu Kitty. Kung Fu Kenny. Kenny? Yeah. Oh, not Kitty? Well, Whatever. Kung Fu Kenny is one of Kendrick Lamar's nicknames. So when you went, Brit! Yeah. And yeah. I was like, Britney's house, I'm like, it's like, something, it's yeah, yeah. Kung Fu Kenny! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did actually you, you have it in my it. mind. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of right. Yeah, yeah. It just took us a bit Absolutely. to figure what that was. Yeah. I know the song that he's talking about. Which song is it? Hold up. Let me pull it up. Here we go. Here we This has uh, been a search. I guess it would be three weeks in the making. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess we found out before it was three weeks, but... Still. It was off his... One of a, a great album, Dang. Um, Element? You mean damn? Dang. <laughs> yeah. Ain't nobody praying for me. I knew that I heard something. You knew it, yeah. You were like, that reminds me. I have a good memory, but it's not specific or detailed. I'm kind of the same way. I'm like, I know I've heard this somewhere. There's something <laughs> that reminds me of. And it can be a stretch. Yeah. And I'll still get back to it, but I have no idea how to yeah. find it. I know. It's kind of the worst. Good times. Good times. Anyways. Joe's uh, album. Joe's album. Uh, let's just dive right in. Jacob, what are your thoughts on the album? Some favorite tracks? Yeah. Least favorite tracks? Yes. Would you give it out of 10? I encourage listeners who are interested in maybe searching up some music they haven't heard before to listen to this album um, and then maybe resume this podcast so this isn't all gibberish to you. Great idea. Uh, the album is called Decide. Yeah. Um, I don't know how many tracks off the top of my head. I think it's 10 or 12. Yeah. Um, so in my opinion, I haven't heard an album from the way that I perceived it mm -hmm. that was so thought out and so connected with a theme like a concept album. Um, there's been a handful of albums that I've heard that are like that, but I feel like typically what a lot of new artists are doing, they're just releasing albums that have, you know, their favorite songs on it that they've written, mm -hmm. which is great. But to have something that really comes together when you play from start to finish is telling you like this story and like walking you through um, basically his main thought of the album, I mm -hmm. think is super cool. Um, you would describe this better than me, but I think he's essentially going through the thoughts of being a celebrity, dealing with change, kind of the struggles of relationships that come from being famous mm -hmm. and like wanting to go back to the way things were also not wanting to like thinking he should change. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I think he's facing a lot of his own weaknesses in like full. And I noticed too, like sometimes with these songs, like I don't really listen to the lyrics as much as I think I am. Sure. Yeah. But when he gets into full and he's like, um, I'll be your fool, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. um, just tell me what to do. I always felt so foolish anyway. Mm -hmm. um, that one I didn't really piece together yet because at first you just like, <laughs> anyway. and you're like, oh, that's kind of catchy. But then I like listened and like, oh, he's saying I always felt so foolish anyway. Like yeah. he's addressing some honest thoughts about himself. Totally. Um, musically and just how it's produced, I think it's just 
incredible. Absolutely. Like it's very like inspired from the eighties and like eighties pop and synth, but there's obviously his own modern twist on it as well. Yeah. So listening to it, it's just entertaining. Like it keeps you at the edge of your seat, just like hearing the different things he's implementing into his songs. Um, I played it for my dad uh, last week and he was blown away. Even as someone who didn't like the style was like, mm-hmm. wow, this is actually really like captivating. Yeah. I played him half life and just the shift from the low parts to like the big rise in the choruses. Yeah, he totally. was like, <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, <laughs> There's a weird noise there that came out of my living weird, room. Like, <laughs> I wonder if that's in the recording. I'll listen back. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I agree with a lot of Jacob said, you know, it's, um, I really love the like overall like themes he's touching on throughout the album and mm-hmm. like even just that that the title of the album you know the word decide um that you know that kind of idea of like oh the, what you know the decisions that we make in this life how much of them are influenced by by ourselves by mm-hmm. the people we're surrounded by by the kind of uh you know sort of life changes that we go through um and yeah as I listen through the album um I kind of appreciate some of the tracks that I initially felt like kind of veered off of that uh, path a little bit. Yeah. Like, um, I always forget end of beginning. Yeah. Uh, when I first listened to it, I was like, I think kind of musically end of beginning, uh, strays a little bit from the kind of other, it's a little like, more of like a ballad. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of a little bit of sort of like indie rock Phoebe Bridgers type mm-hmm. emo stuff. I don't know. It's just kind of the vibe I get from it, as opposed to some of yeah, like the like new wave, more new wave uh, stuff yeah. off the the rest of the record. Um, but that being said, I think thematically it really works pretty well. Just talking about kind of the huge life shift that Joe Curry had when he moved out of Chicago, um, which I think is where he went to college, and mm-hmm. like where he was a part of Post Animal. And I think then, he said he did theater there too. Yeah, like a lot of his beginnings. Yeah, a lot which of his, I guess like, it's in the song. <laughs> a lot of really like foundational, the you know, the kind of formative years of his life, which is interesting. I think he's in the either in the song or in an interview. He said he was 24 during that time, which Jacob and I are both 24. Wow. So he's kind of looking back on that time of his life and been like, man, that was like so formative for me. Um, you know, in terms of my influences, the kind of people group I had around me, mm-hmm. and then. Um, yeah, so I think as I listen to the album more and more, I begin to appreciate a lot of the songs that I didn't really, uh, I wasn't too fond of. Um, and I still have like a, a couple gripes with it, but I think overall it's a really solid record. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I really I think he makes some really like insightful commentary on uh, choice and on the, mm-hmm. the idea of like making a decision or becoming a better person, which is a common theme of Joe being like, I would like to be better. I would like to, you know, become a little bit you know, more self-reflective and, mm-hmm. and kinder to those that are around me. Um, but he also kind of reflects on, he's like, is this even possible? Am I, am I even capable of becoming a better person? Right. Or am I only the, re- or I'm, am I only the result of all the circumstances and people that surround me? Um, do they change me or do I make my own decisions? And so right. I think, I think it's a really interesting conversation. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, great record. Yeah. I love it. I think to like some of the lady, sorry guys, lady, um, let's see. What was the, yes. Um, you told me this lyric that came in a song runner. Mm-hmm. That's the lady. Seriously. Just give it a break. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's <laughs> lady, go take that somewhere else, please go on <laughs> her face right now. <laughs> um, 
he has a lot. I think it's interesting to put. Hmm, how do I want to word this? Like a challenging thought, mm-hmm. or or type of maybe something that you've been mulling over or thinking on lately, mm-hmm. and putting into a song in such a simple way. Like mm-hmm. usually, people have to take away some specifics of what they're trying to say mm-hmm. for it to flow in a song. Yeah. Whether it's like even just the syllables or like the words not sounding like they're going to flow that well. Totally. But when you read it, it is just sounding like, like he's writing a paper almost or like he's writing a poem. Yeah. But it's not to fit like the beat of the song almost, if that yeah. makes sense. But you read uh, this part to me in Runner, dishonestly. It's funny. He says he doesn't say dishonesty. Mm-hmm. He says dishonestly is honestly the mark that you must live with. Those that will, those that won't. You're lying to yourself about control. And then what I said, like, I've always felt so foolish anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, something's happening to me. A change that I can see. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the next part? I have to, like, sing it in my mind. Yeah. I thought that change was bad, but you've changed my mind. Like, yeah. there are these hopeful moments, but you also see him, like, beat himself up for it, like, right yeah. after with that. Like, um, <laughs> is that all is it, it all it takes? Is that all it <laughs> Yeah, it's like... Yeah, it just has this. I don't know the whole thing. I think even that's definitely a part of music where it's totally subjective. But yeah, I think even the way that the music is being played is supposed to like influence the meaning of what he's saying too. Absolutely, yeah. So it's like it's high pitched and it's short and it's fast. Yeah, and I think it's almost like for me that type of like edit on a vocal, Mm -hmm. it was always put on really serious songs to try to make them catchy, but it's like maybe hiding a deeper meaning. Totally. And that's, I don't know, that's what I took from that little part yeah, of it, too. Yeah, and I think, you know, what you were just talking about, about these kind of, like, him sort of balancing, like, kind of giving in to being, like, oh, like, I'll be a fool, like, I'm not capable of change, to mm-hmm. being, like, oh, I am capable of change. And, like, the people around me, like, they make me a better person, Um, I think is really interesting. The way he kind of balances that sort of inner conversation, mm-hmm. because even what we're talking about, it's not really, like, there's a yes or no answer. It's right. where anybody who's, like, thought about, like, whether or not they're capable of changing or becoming better has like wrestled with that like oh am i even is it even possible right am i locked into who i am do i have like a, a strict nature even outside of any kind of like spirit like spiritual implications of that just the sort of like human experience of right being like you know what really is in my control and what isn't mm-hmm. and even on like half-life i think it's a great example of what yeah. you're talking about how like the the musical value of it really matches the lyrical value mm-hmm. where he's having these sort of like deep contemplative moments and the music's very low and bassy and he's kind of almost like whispering um, and then when he has that realization of he's like, oh, these like, these people don't care about me. It's like mainly my ego is messing with me. He's kind of like reaching this sort of like the the kind of like final conclusion of like mm-hmm. giving into your vanity, right? Um, and having that and having that matched sort of by like the the big moment of the music, right? Um, it's beautiful. Yeah, but I think it's I think it's really smart. And I think he pulls it off pretty well throughout the yeah the majority of the record. I think my last thought on it, um would be it reminds me of my own um which is probably what he wants people to do is take their own you know applications to it and like yeah. connect to their own life but for me whenever i feel um i've been like wronged in some way mm-hmm. i don't want to like write it off like i'm never going to do this thing again yeah but when i start to realize that i'm like preparing myself to like retry something Mm-hmm. I start to beat myself up for it and be like, don't be an idiot. Like, don't let yourself be naive and yeah. just walk back into the same trap. Yeah. Because you're just going to, you know, and that's what kind of fool reminds me of is mm-hmm. like, 
one song is more like hopeful and then one is like, no, you idiot. Like, what are you doing? Sort yeah. of thing. And there's not a song that I think is specifically doing that. Yeah. But it reminds me of those areas in my life where totally. like I was talking about my flight anxiety with Timory mm-hmm. and it was, kind of, she, she kind of, um, made me realize how messed up it was of me to think this way. Sure. But I was like, Oh, I, I was actually starting to try to be hopeful for this next flight that I'm gonna have to go on because I'm like, you know what? Maybe it won't be that bad. Mm-hmm. And immediately my next thought was like, you idiot. Like, mm-hmm. of course it's going to be as bad. Why would it get any better? Like, sure, don't yeah. trust it. Like, you've already been wrong, so you're going to be stupid if you go back thinking it's going to be better. Yeah. And when I said that to Timory, I said it so, like, carelessly yeah. and just, just like, casually. And she was like, that is so sad and weird. And I was, <laughs> like, I was like, what do you mean? She's like, why would you be dumb to think it's going to be a good flight? I'm like, because I've had really bad flights and I'm always anxious, so why would I think it's going to change? Mm-hmm. And that's when I was like, wow, I am really being a Debbie Downer right now. And then I thought of that album. Like, there are little similar connections of, like, he's trying to, like, avoid being hurt again maybe in some way. But he's also, like, still trying to find some growth. Yeah, absolutely. And that comes down to, like, being called decide. Like, what's your choice? What are you going to try to do with your life and these thoughts? So, in my mind, in my opinion, rather, um, I think... There will never be a 10 out of 10 album ever. Sure. Yeah. That's how I'm treating our 1 to 10. Yeah. So as close as you can get to a 10 is what I would rate the album. Okay. Because... For all intents and purposes, 10 out of 10? Yeah. Okay. I really... Nice. Uh, that's my opinion because even his efforts are what I put at such a high okay. level. Like I I'd have my own gripes with it too. Yeah. But to look at it as a whole, Overall. I haven't appreciated in t- this much of an album in a very long time. Nice. What about you? I got two questions for you. Yes. Uh, top three songs off the album. Ooh. And then I'll, the second question is slightly related to what you just said, but not necessarily related to this album. Okay. So my top three, is that you said three? Yeah. Uh, Half-Life Absolutely. is my favorite from yeah. the album. Um, That's a banger. It's so good. You corrected me. When I first heard it, it was five in the morning on the way to work. <laughs> yeah. And it's something about that song that does not you should not listen to it when you're half awake because <laughs> yeah. it will just kind of put you in a weird mood. But yeah. when I was fully alert and listened to it and could focus on it, I was like, this song is incredible. Yeah. Um, I really... Oh, it's tough. I don't know if I could pick three. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Fool. Nice. Oh, but there's so many yeah it's either gonna be end of beginning as my okay. third or um uh it's on the tip of my tongue um let me look at it real quick because i have the like the memory of it in my head yeah um so yeah it would be half-life full and if it's not end of beginning it would be um figure you out oh yeah yeah that one is really Re- good. we didn't talk about that one something's that- on my mind yeah yeah, that one's just uh, musically. I yeah. really, really appreciate. I, there's how a lot that song of really. Goes. I love that like build before the chorus. It's like, it's not it, you expect it to be like, well, okay, here we go. Yeah. But it's like you. It's like very like yeah. not not like a letdown, but like it's like like yeah. a very purposeful letdown. Like it gets really quiet and like very nice. But way. also the breakdown of on and on. Yeah. Something is about to break. Yeah. That, that when like good. the whole song shifts. So yeah, I would say those are my closest to the top three I could get. Nice. Now, what was your second question? My second question was, uh, what are a few of what are a few albums that you would consider top tens? Because you said this one by Joe, you're like, you know, obviously, like there's never going to be a perfect album, but for you, you're like, for you, you would consider this one a ten. Do you have any other albums that you can think of that you would consider tens? Yeah, I think another way that I would put something in that category for me 
is typically when you find an album where almost all of the songs are very enjoyable to you. Mm-hmm. Um, Early Head in the Heart, uh, like Let's Be Still Absolutely. or oh, their yeah. self-title. I think Let's Be Still is their best album. Yeah. yeah. I think those, I think I prefer Let's Be Still over the first. Yeah. But the Even first the third classic. actually is more nostalgic now. I used yeah. to kind of hate on it, but now that I just hear it just reminds me of being like a teenager. So yeah, totally. that one's close to a 10 for me. Um, there's a Young the Giant album mm-hmm. that also just has just really beautiful songs yeah. all around. They're just really good to me. One would be one album of theirs is Mind Over Matter. And the other is um, Art Exhibit. Mm-hmm. Um, both are just incredible. And then maybe... Um, I guess as like a tribute, there's a couple of like the Beatles albums. I think all of them definitely have like stood the test of having at least like several that are like very well known. Yeah. But their White album, as well as the Let's Be Still album, um, Revolver, they have a they've have at least so many albums. The but... Beatles also have an album called Let's Be Still. Sorry, let's or Let It Be. Oh. I, I meant to say Let It Be. Okay. They have Let like... It Be, White Album, um, Revolver, and there's um, Rubber Soul. There's a there's several of yeah. their albums that it's just like there are so many ones that have like made them who they are. Yeah. And if you can make like so many albums where it's like, oh, like eight of your twelve songs are like number one. Absolutely. Then it's just like that in my opinion means that's you've a success. reached a success point. So yeah. yeah, those would be a handful of top tens for me. Nice. Now what are your top three favorites? What right. would you rate it? And some of your top ten albums. Oh yeah. Well give me your rating for well, you give it a ten out of ten. I'm my my version of a ten out of ten. Your yeah. version of a ten. It's absolutely. imperfect, but it's a but, ten. Yeah. Um I think I think if I would rate uh Como se dice, Decide by Joe. Mm-hmm. I'd give it probably a seven point five to an eight out of ten. How dare you? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um yeah, I think it's like and I think that's like uh, in terms of like not like you know like American grading scale like seven point five is like a C but like mm-hmm. in terms if like five is like a truly just like meh album, um, then like yeah I've, and like the higher you go the better it is um, totally. So I would say yeah out of ten give it like a seven point five out of eight. Like I said like there are some things that and J- Jacob and I have like talked about this um, about like kind of you know, my, what I see is maybe like weak points in the album. Jacob is actually like, Oh, I actually like appreciate that. And sure. Like, like that he did that. So, um, but yeah, I think overall, I think I really like it. I, it's, it's a great album to listen to start to finish. Like it's yeah. really, really fun. And there's a lot of great, um, you know, it's just really interesting. Yeah. Uh, and he does a lot of really cool. There's a lot of just interesting, I don't know how else to describe it, but yeah, it's a, fu- it's a really fun record. Yeah. It just keeps your attention almost the whole way through. Totally. I, there's not really any points that you get like bored or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, quick question. Yeah. What get makes something close to a 10 for you then? I'm not saying like, how could you think anything's better? But like, I think, well, I think it's tricky. I think, I mean, I don't, I'm sure like there are probably music reviewers out there who have kind of like a formula or maybe a better idea of what makes a 10 and what doesn't. Sure. But I think for me, you, you even touched on this, like basically just like how much I enjoy the overall record. Sure. You know what I mean? Like for me, Joe's record, I'm like, I like probably like. 80% 80% of the overall like track list. And for the ones that I don't like, it's not that I dislike them, but I'm just kind of like, eh, sure. about them. So yeah. for me, that's like, that's a great record. You know what I mean? Like I, I like, I love listening to it. I love putting it on overall. Um, but I think like what makes it 10, uh, honestly, is just like, yeah, like a, a complete, really enjoyable experience uh, yeah. throughout it. Um, I'm like really invested and interested in what they're talking about lyrically. Yeah. I find what they're doing musically really interesting and captivating. Um, and I guess those are probably like kind of like the, the two basic foundations of music as a whole. But mm-hmm. 
Yeah, like I think. Well, I'll I'll, I'll get into the top ten ones and, sure. and maybe why I think they're tens. Yeah. But in terms of Joe's record, the top three songs that I like the most, um, Half Life is Absolutely. like such a hit. Yeah. Um, I really like Change. Mm-hmm. That one that I just like every time I listen to it, I'm just like so good. When it goes into that like little like piano part, like right before like the like final the breakdown. Part, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just like. Oh. It's so satisfying. It's like, yeah, it builds you up. You start like getting ready to like. For sure. Um, It's such a, yeah. And I, another thing that I really love in the terms of the production is how they play with volume throughout it. Even in Half-Life, like the, it's not obviously unbearably loud, but the volume is just brought up just enough to like really give it some Mm -hmm. like oomph, which I feel like I don't see it a lot in terms of production as people mess with like those discrepancies in volume. Yeah. Um, And so Half-Life change and then, if I could box them into one, I really do like Runner going into Gloom. Yeah. I That just like... Yeah, that's what I was talking uh, on too. Yeah, I really love that transition. And we even talked about it last time we were chatting about the album. Was... Um, it kind of feels like the start of a musical, yeah. sort of. Like, it, for me, it feels like Joe is like, okay, like, I know this is going to be hard, but I have to try to become a better person. Mm-hmm. Like, this is really important to me. Like, I know this is like something I can do. I know like I know that I'm surrounded by all these things, but I want to become a better person. And then Gloom is like him going, you know what? Never mind. I don't <laughs> yeah. want to be a better person. <laughs> yeah. Um and I really love that kind of transition between the and it once again it shows that dichotomy of being like, I want to become better. No, actually I don't want to mm-hmm. become better. Um, I'm very content living in the place that I live in now. Right. So I would say that and I think if that is unfair that I technically picked two for one, then I would say um I wish I could look at the track list. Probably either figure out or on and on. Cool. I think would probably be another one of those. So I know that that was like a bunch of them. No, Anyways. that's great. Um, in terms of top 10 albums, I actually, um, at a job interview I was at a while ago, they asked me, I think just kind of as like a fun icebreaker question, like what are top, what are three of your like favorite albums? Mm. And I was kind of like, Oh yeah, I actually don't really think about that very often. Of like, what are my favorite albums? Yeah. But I think albums that I personally would give a 10, um, I know it's a little cliche, but Sufjan Stevens, Carrie and Lowell, mm-hmm. um, you called it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I think that's like, no, I, but if there, there's, gotta, so. there's gotta be at least one Sufjan Stevens in there. <laughs> Um, and I thought it was Michigan for a while, and I think maybe I wanted it to be Michigan because I was like, it's not Carrie and Lowell. But I'm like, I got to be honest, <laughs> Carrie and Lowell, I think, is just really an incredible record. It's Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, just so heartbreaking. It's honestly, at this point, I think in my life, it's uh, gotten a lot harder to listen to because it just like, you know, you just like, it's so hard not to like think about that just immense grief he's feeling and also like the conflicted emotions. Yeah. And, you know, I think for anybody who's gone through any kind of like loss or grief, I think there's a lot of... Um, empathy that can be gained from that uh, absolutely from that record and i think once again back to back every single song i love and i've uh, it's an incredible yeah and there's a lot of complexity and nuance but also just a lot of really like heartfelt simplicity and 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 very kind of universal uh emotions that he's tapping into so i really appreciate that um another 10 out of 10 i would say is probably divers by joanna newsom and i've played jacob some joanna newsom before and she her voice is like it's a little crazy. It's a little crazy. It's kind of like squeaky. Very it kind of sounds like Bjork, honestly. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I haven't listened to that much Bjork, so if you're it's, a huge it's Bjork fan, it's shrill in a me. good way. It's not yeah. shrill like it's actually like irritating to you, but it has this frequency that's just yeah. It's right. just kind of like it's yeah. It's a very very interesting voice, but she's incredibly talented and just one of the absolute best um, songwriters I've ever gotten to listen to before. Um, and I really love uh, Divers, and I think back to back, it's a great record. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I love what she does musically on it. There's like these kind of like jazzy sort of almost kind of like Vince Guaraldi type moments, like kind of like really mm. sort of like almost like elevator jazz yeah. moments. But then it's mixed in with this kind of like medieval Renaissance sort of flair. I don't know. It's fun. Yeah. It's really fun. Very unique. Um, but Very then, yeah, she, she kind of goes over this idea of uh, like she has a central theme of like divers and she kind of recontextualizes that word through different songs. So mm-hmm. like in one song, she's talking about a deep sea diver and another song she's talking about somebody who's plummeting to earth. Now they're diving through the air. Mm. Um, there's a song about like people who are like traveling through space. It's like very weird and kind weird. of bizarre, Yeah. but she kind of links it back to this like overall idea of like time and how we perceive time and how time can be, um, can pass in like a second or it can feel like, you know, a second takes a hundred years. Right. And so, I find it, you know, a very interesting record. And she, I don't know, it's just, there's a, there's a lot of layers with that one personally that um, I just think are great. And I think it just sounds great. It's like a beautiful record. Yeah. Um, That's a good pick. And then honestly, I gotta, you know, gotta give it to Taylor Swift. Folklore. Great record. That's a great record. Love it. Very I will good say record. Epiphany, I don't really care for. <laughs> so maybe it's not a perfect Maybe that's record. like a 9.8. Yeah, yeah, it's like a 9.8. It's so close to me. <laughs> um, but I really, that one just like, very nostalgic for me. Um, and yeah. yeah, I just remember when I first came out, I listened to it and I was like, Ooh, I like this a lot. As someone that's always found her to be an incredible writer, but I've rarely appreciated her music. Mm-hmm. Um, that one I agree with is a really, really beautiful album. Yeah. Really appreciate that. And I think, as well. uh, you know, a lot of it, like, obviously like she's working with Jack Antonoff and she's worked in uh, like, uh, uh, he's, uh, from fun. Oh, okay. And he was, uh, I think he's like the lead or maybe it's just him, but bleachers, do you know the band? No. They're like kind of, he's kind of bleachers. Like, yeah. They've written a couple songs. Maybe you've heard them. You might recognize them, but, um, sort of like poppy fun. Okay. Records. But he produced Lord's melodrama. Oh, okay. And he worked with, um, I think he's worked with Taylor Swift on like the past, past couple of her records, but he did a couple songs on this one, but then Taylor also, I'm calling her Taylor, like we're on <laughs> Mrs. Swift. Um, <laughs> Is she married now? Miss or she's Swift. engaged? Is she there's engaged? A, there's some guy that I guess she's been with forever now that like she just showed. Potentially Mrs. Well, I guess maybe. I don't know. Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. <laughs> um, I heard she was. But yeah. Uh, but um, she also partnered with, I believe it's Aaron Desner. He's from The National. Okay. Um, And he did a lot of production on this record as well. And I think, honestly, like having his hand in the project, Mm -hmm. he did such an incredible job of creating these really kind of like nice, um, I don't know, just like indie folk instrumentals and kind of backdrops for for Taylor to sing over. Once again, calling her Taylor. I think it's okay. It's fine. Everything's You're not like, fine. I was listening to, you know, Taylor said this one time. I was time. listening to my dear friend Taylor's music. I said Charlie, instead of Charlie Puth to Timmy the other day, and she's like, what, do you know him? I know. I'm like, I thought it was implied. Well, it's just, it feels awkward And when anybody so says, dude, I love listening say... to Taylor, everybody knows what that means. Yeah. So I don't think it's like pretentious of you. Yeah. Also, people call Kendrick Lamar Kendrick. Exactly. All the time. People say Kanye or people Ye. People say Kanye or, yeah, or just Ye. So. And everybody knows who it is. <laughs> Anyways. Taylor's not to cut album, you off folklore yeah that's an incredible album. um it's so tough think... to pick your top three because yeah, i'm so already changing ones. my mind i know there's so many other ones i'm thinking of and i'm like oh, that one's really great yeah. and that one's really great but it's cool to have so many to choose from though yeah um a lot of great music out there absolutely i was just listening to this new album i think it's called human overboard 
by an artist called James and the Shame. And do you remember the YouTubers Rhett and Link? Mm-hmm. The guy with the beard. Is mm-hmm. that Rhett? Yeah. So it's his musical project. Interesting. Yeah. And it, and it kind of, I was listening, I just, I just listened to the first three songs, which I actually quite enjoyed. Um, but Also, I, I think it's a little inappropriate that you just called them by their first names, but I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. Rhett. <laughs> What's his face? <laughs> Whatever his last name is. Um. But I was listening to it, and it kind of actually it kind of gives me uh, some of those. What's that new or the latest Lord Huron Huron record? Oh, oh, um, what is that one called? Oh, oh, um, but you know, what long I'm lost, long lost. Yeah, yeah. Um, it reminds me a lot of that, like very kind of like very country, and actually like his singing voice is like really really country, which is interesting. And yeah. he kind of also gives me some Father John Misty vibes. Cool. Um, so which I appreciated, and then also part of me was like, well, I feel like I've already like semi heard this stuff before but at the same rate i'm not like saying he was like super derivative or anything like that but he definitely was kind of in that same vein um and if someone here listening didn't know what derivative meant what what would that mean uh uh, like it's um not necessarily inspired he's totally very he's very marked by his uh his contemporaries yeah people that are similar to him so anyone who didn't know (laughs) then you should feel pretty stupid right now hop on dictionary.com right (laughs) um but uh, but I was listening to it, and I one I found it was interesting that it was uh, the guy from Rhett and Link. Mm-hmm. Rhett. I'd like to hear that. Yeah, I think actually you might get a kick out of it. And it kind of, as I was listening to it, it was like, it was pretty heartfelt, but also kind of like sort of funny and kind of a, like a macabre sort of black humor sort of way. Um, and, or dark humor? I don't really know. And, uh, but it was just, it kind of reminded me of like, have you ever listened to some of uh, Tim Heidecker's music? Yeah. Yeah, it kind of like, it's like sort of heartfelt, but like a little bit kind of like tongue in cheek at the same time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like obviously he's not making like a joke song or anything like that, mm-hmm. but he's kind of like. It has a lighthearted essence to it. Yeah. like. But it's still serious. Absolutely. Like there's yeah. one song off uh, off the album that I was listening to that, you know, he's talking about like basically being like brought up in like a religious home and then like reading material that was you know outside of the bible and then kind right. of having these like realizations that i'm I'm assuming drove him from his faith i don't know his, his actual life story but right. um, i'm assuming that's kind of like the implication of the song but he's which is that's kind of like a heavy topic yeah. to think about but he's sort of doing it in kind of like a not like silly way but kind of in sort it's of like, like palatable a, yeah yeah he's just kind of like yeah once again sort of like tongue-in-cheek a little bit kind of like yeah you know trying to like maybe push people's buttons but so it's interesting it's I'm, kind of interesting to see that there are a few comedians that write yeah. music that way because Absolutely. that's kind of how they would normally talk about heavy discussions is to yeah. layer it with something that's easier to digest yeah kind of pat it a little bit yeah, yeah that's a great point um but i'll probably i might i, I kind of stopped listening to it because i'll admit i wasn't necessarily super like 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 this is like something i want to be listening to but i might come back to it we'll see if yeah. i'm feeling up to it but um but definitely interesting. Not what I was expecting. That's really cool. Um, but yeah. what's it called? It's called the album's called Human Overboard. And, and what's his like? The artist is James and the Shame. Is he a lead on it? Is that what Rhett is in? Yeah, I think it's just him. He just calls it James and the whatever. And the shame, yeah, the I guess. Shame. I mean, maybe maybe there's a maybe there's a backing band, but from what I saw on Spotify, it just looked like it was just oh, his wow. project. That's interesting. Um, which yeah, which the, the like the the t- the artist name is pretty interesting as well yeah. i don't know necessarily what that that's means, interesting but, but yeah so that was definitely a kind of interesting listen today i um, love it maybe i'll give another listen and let you guys know my full thoughts but you will just have to wait and see okay i okay, okay. that's fine 
Um, fine. Yeah, that's great. I think, um, yeah, definitely for another time we can have more. One thing I thought about too, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if, <laughs> if he'd ever um, be interested in doing this, Listen. but I would really love to have Drew on the podcast. Oh, that'd be a blast. If there's someone that has Pick his an immense knowledge on music, he can... Yeah. If you play a song within his wheelhouse, sure. he knows um, the year that it was released. Mm-hmm. He knows the instrument that's being played. Mm-hmm. He knows the mic they're being they're singing it on. Yeah. I mean, he he like has studied everything yeah. about music, and he's known theory for like a decade. And so he's just yeah. really a great person to talk to when it Wonderful comes to music. Gentleman. Yeah. I don't know if he'd ever be interested in being on the podcast, but I think he'd be interested well, in hanging out with us. So and if then it's, trick him into being recorded. Like, hey, go talk into this thing right here. Yeah. And he'll be but like, just he'll be like this is the microphone you use. What a sham. And <laughs> what a sham. <laughs> no, but he's. I think he has great knowledge on this, and I could talk about music with, with you. We've talked about music for hours and hours and hours mm-hmm. over the years, but that'd be a great person to add to the conversation. That's a fantastic idea. So we'll see. Drew Brereton, we're talking to you. I'm talking to you, I can Drew. guarantee you never listen to an episode of this podcast, but we're talking to you. He'll listen one day. Maybe. If we're lucky. <laughs> we'll try. <laughs> we'll try. Um, at this point, though, with our part two break, yeah, we've hit a, a, a fat hour. Mm. Uh, little, that means a little more than an hour yeah. for those of you out there. We'll spare uh, the listeners anymore. Yeah. So I think this has honestly been a very, for us. Yeah. I've enjoyed talking about music. Absolutely. And I'm pretty sure we talked about Don't Worry Darling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's been a couple weeks. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Any passing words or you want to just wrap it up? Um, be kind to your neighbors. Be kind to your neighbors. Praise God. I have some. Uh, I had a bad relationship with my neighbors, and we made it right. Oh, so quite literally, even your next door neighbors. Be nice yeah. to them. Be nice to them. Thanks for listening to Abel, Abel and Jacob. Jacob figure, figure it out. out. Should we just search romantic comedies on Netflix and see what we find? <laughs> <laughs>